Welcome to another edition of Thoughts on Theology. Uh, my name is Andrew, and with me I have Pastor Martin as well. And uh, we're walking through uh, the book Called to Believe uh, by Stephen Mueller. Uh, and so today we've got actually a really awesome, uh, awesome episode where we're talking about Jesus Christ. Uh, man, there's no better topic than that, is there? Longest uh, chapter in the book. For sure. Uh, <laughs> it needs to be. There's a lot to say about uh, Jesus. And so uh, today we're just going to be walking through uh, kind of along with uh, what Stephen says in the book. Uh, and so we'll we'll see what he says about, about Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of different things. Uh, just like we were talking about earlier, uh, we said that he says, oh, we got to talk about this. Well, okay, there's a little bit of an offshoot here. We gotta, if you say this, then you got to understand this as well. So uh, let's dive right into it. Kind of love that you know the author is gets talking about Jesus and he just can't stop himself from talking more about Jesus. Uh-huh. Like, isn't that the way we should all be? Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> when we're talking about Christ, you know, Paul does the same thing, right? He has whole run-on sentences because he starts talking. He's like, "Yeah, but you also need to know this. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and this, and this." And it's like, "Okay, mm-hmm. calm down, right?" Uh-huh. <laughs> but I that's... found this really interesting. I found this. Re- you need to know this, guys. <laughs> grace, grace, grace. Yeah. So well, mm-hmm. and that's exactly where where Stephen uh, starts off. He talk, starts talking about Jesus by talking about grace. grace. So mm-hmm. he says uh, the Father cares for His creation. He allows it to continue, uh, and He provides all we need for this earthly life. All of that's grace, but there's a, a special grace that's given to us specifically through Christ. So the first page and a half really is just the God's doesn't kill you immediately is mm-hmm. all an act of grace mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of a valuable lesson for us to re- be reminded of that the next breath you breathe the only reason why you're allowed to take that breath mm-hmm. is because god has graciously allowed it yeah kind of cool but uh, why does he give us this grace why does he allow us these things and now, it, from in the Old Testament, it was because the Savior is coming. Mm-hmm. And now, in the New Testament, it's because Christ has come. Yep. And so all of this grace that is given to us, this, this fatherly divine uh, love and mercy that's given to us, is not on our merit, but because of Christ. Because Jesus mm-hmm. uh, is this one who stands in our stead and, and, uh, and stands as our interceder. And shows, reveals God's love for us. Right. And uh, on this, the first little bit, I, I wanted to kind of ask you a question. Just, mm-hmm. I've always talked about, you know, the, the grace, mercy, and love of God. And kind of how do those, uh, how are those different? Right. So grace is kind of that free gift. And maybe mercy is the holding back of the punishment that we do deserve. But there is mercy mm-hmm. in that. Just like you talked about that we don't deserve life, but we have been given that. And yes, that is an act of grace, but it's really the mercy holding back the punishment that we deserve. And all of this is kind of out of an outpouring of God's love. Does that, is that accurate? Is that a, a fair assessment? Yeah, it starts the heading of love. Mm-hmm. And what does love look like? What does God's love look like? Mm-hmm. Well, specifically, it looks like grace. That is not, it is giving mm-hmm. what we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And it's also mercy, not giving what we do, do deserve. deserve. Yeah. And all of that is revealed fully for us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. So we get to, well, 
in when we see Christ, we get to see the heart of the Father. So we see different mm-hmm. characteristics of uh, of God's grace. Uh, <clears throat> so throughout the, the scriptures, he's we see that this is uh, the will of the Father is to save his his creation, mm-hmm. not just in the incarnation and beyond, but throughout the Old and New Testament. We see God's gracious will for us is that we would experience and receive his grace and mercy and love. Mm-hmm. And that all happens, bottom of page 120, in Christ. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about two big terms when we're looking at Jesus. We're going to talk about nature, and we're going to talk about person. Mm. Mm. Okay? Yes. So when we're talking about nature, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about him being true God and being true man. Mm-hmm. The two natures that work perfectly simultaneously, but yet are distinct, but not totally separated, that they're totally different, but it is unified in one person. Uh, yeah. That's a decent summary of the Athanasian Creed. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yes. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But first, let's talk solely about the humanity of Christ. Mm-hmm. So Jesus is a person. Yeah, uh, he is a, a man, a human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, how in the world do we know that he's human? What kind of evidence do we see that he's human? Yeah, throughout his life, he he has emotions. He cries. He feels the pain. He feels the hunger and the thirstiness. He gets thirsty, uh, just like we do as as humans. He was born. Even I think that may be kind of the, the first evidence of that, that he is uh, born. Uh, he comes as that little baby, that vulnerable little baby. And then we get to see, uh, you know, his, his, his life and then that death. And so he does die as all humans will. He has a death. And so I think that's kind of a, a pretty quick summary of that uh, yeah. humanity of Christ. Yeah, and so his humanity is just just like ours, mm-hmm. right? He's he's born, he experiences all the things that humans do, he dies, he, he has the human experience. Mm-hmm. There's only a few differences here, mm-hmm. right? And the biggest one, the most glaring one, is he's sinless. Mm-hmm. So the virgin birth, right? Yeah. So there's the there's the virgin birth, and that's very different from everyone else in all creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Adam. And Adam and Eve would be the first ones who didn't come via the natural way of things. And next is through Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus has a human mother, but no human father. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a fascinating concept and a little bit off the beaten path, but mm-hmm. it's, worth, it's worth talking about maybe. Sure. Uh, the, the, there's a theory that would say that sin is passed on via uh, the seed of the father. Uh-huh. And so, you know, how does a person get born? Well, there's a father, there's a mother, they come together, mm-hmm. and voila, you have a new baby who is mm-hmm. steeped in sin immediately mm-hmm. from sure. conception. Right? Sure. From the time uh, sperm and egg meet, boom, you've got sin. You don't mm-hmm. have life, but you have sinful life. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Jesus, uh, there is none of the father mm-hmm. in that. Instead, of there's the divine uh, mm-hmm. Father, Father, you know, then conceived by the Holy Spirit. Right? Mm-hmm. That's what the creeds say. So there is no sinful father piece, uh, and therefore Jesus is sinless mm-hmm. in his humanity. 
Mm-hmm. So it's in, it's uh, Genesis chapter mm-hmm. 3, when it has the first gospel ever spoken. It's, uh, it, I can't remember the exact language, but it's like through her offspring, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the idea there, uh, offspring is actually the word seed, and in that Hebrew language, um, only men have seed. Right. And right. so it's her seed. So it's, it's yeah. It's like, we, girls don't have seed. And this isn't like some woke stuff. Instead, it's like, no, it's going to be a virgin birth. That's right. the whole point. That's, so that's interesting. Genesis 3, it's virgin birth. It named a plan. It yeah. told us the plan right, right at the very beginning. Interesting. I don't know if I ever put that together. Yeah. yeah. So virgin birth uh-huh. and sinless. Uh-huh. Those two pieces would be very different from our version of, of humanity. Yeah. Does that mean he was not human? No. And also doesn't mean that he wasn't tempted, right? Correct. He knows the temptations. We, we see it when he is out in the wilderness with the devil. He is tempted. And so he has felt all of our temptations as humans, but he didn't know sin, right? He is he knows no sin. And so even though he has felt those temptations that we do as humans, that we just talked about the you know, last week about the inclination toward <laughs> sin, but he still does not have the actual sin. Correct. So mm-hmm. if we're using the language that we talked about in the last chapter, we mm-hmm. would say, is there concupiscence here? Mm-hmm. No, there is mm-hmm. no concupiscence because he does not have the same fallen nature that is generally present in all other humanity. Mm-hmm. Not that in order to be a human, you have to be sinful. Right. It's just that 99.999% of the time it happens. Yes. Because there's, you know, Adam and Eve, not created sinful. Jesus, mm-hmm. not sinful from birth. Mm-hmm. So concupiscence, not present. Mm-hmm. And nor is actual sin, the activeness of sin in Jesus. He chooses mm-hmm. in that free, truly freed will mm-hmm. to not sin in any of his thoughts and words and deeds. Mm-hmm. So those uh, are the, the, that's the reality is that Jesus is sinless. And, and uh, because of that, mm-hmm. That allows him to become this perfect, spotless, blameless Lamb yes. of God who is in our stead. Like the incarnation, the humanness of Jesus was necessary for our salvation, yeah. right? It, it, it pays the price that we could not pay as a human as well. He lives the life that we cannot live because of his, his sinlessness. And yeah, he, he was the perfect sacrifice that we can't be. Right. So he stands in our stead, mm-hmm. does all the things. And then presents himself as uh, as the one who then could pay for all of this, mm-hmm. all of our sin. He does it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at God's grace, what we receive, this undeserved thing, is mm-hmm. we receive all of Christ's obedience as if it were ours. Mm-hmm. Right? The righteousness that is exchanged for our uh, sinfulness. Yeah, yeah, unrighteousness. When you look at the receipt, it's exchanged. Uh, he takes on all of our unrighteousness, our, our sin, and then we are decreed righteous and sinless. We exchange those two. Right. <laughs> Not on any part of our own that no. we don't deserve, but he does it in our stead. Yeah, Exactly. So that's the humanity of Christ. And there's, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this later on, some mm-hmm. of the ways that we get this, that people get this wrong. Mm-hmm. But Christ has to be human. Yes. Has to live in our stead. Yes. Also has to be God, mm-hmm. and same question would ask we would ask is how do we know that Jesus is is God, right? And here we would go all the way back to well, 
the Bible says so. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a terrible answer if you're talking to an atheist. Right. Uh, but we've already talked about the Word of God earlier mm-hmm. and how we see it as an authoritative mm-hmm. uh, source of The foundation for, for the truth, yeah. So what do we see? Well, Scripture calls Jesus God. Mm-hmm. Jesus calls Jesus God. Mm-hmm. Other people call Jesus God. Mm-hmm. He shows himself to have done God things, right? Mm-hmm. Miracles, omniscience, omnipotence. Now, he, Transfiguration, the ascension, all of these moments of his glory. Yeah. yeah. Now, all of these things would are hearkening to his divinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's hard to get around. You know, so sometimes like our... Um, it's like the Jehovah's Witnesses folks that say, no, he didn't really claim that he was God. No, it was just a misunderstanding. He's like, really? Because, I mean, they very very mm-hmm. clearly understood what he was telling them. Yeah. Right? I, I love this quote from John 10. And the Jews picked up stones to stone Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> you know, why are you? you know, and, and Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, it's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, "Yep, mm-hmm. it's true." Or when he's before the, you know, the, the high priest, and they straight up ask him, "Are you the Christ?" He's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, you've said so. yeah." <laughs> like, "Yep, I am." Yeah. Uh, and so, or the you know the, the I am statements. Let's say I, I love the I am statements. <laughs> yeah, just uh, that connection. Whenever he says it seven different times in John, just I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That very exclusionary statement, but just gives such hope to us as well. And you know, I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. And all of these I am statements harken back to in Exodus when Moses is asking God. What is your name? If I someone am. asks, how, what should I say? Who sent me? I am who I am, the great I am. And so that connects back to God, divine, the divine nature of, yeah. of Jesus. Well, in addition to that, you have uh, Jesus commonly uh, refers to, I and the Father are one. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. got it. Yep. <laughs> you, know, you, are, you are God. Yeah, and, and there's again significance. He needs to be God because mm-hmm. he, he needs to be able to die. Yeah, that's that's his humanity. He needs to be able to die for our uh, for us. Mm-hmm. But he also needs to be the perfect sinless one. He needs to be the one whose blood could indeed cover the price for all people. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he needs to be also divine. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly who God gives to us. He gives us the, the God-man Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. who is both of these things. Carl uh, Barth, during seminary, I re- read a lot of his stuff. He talked about the judged judge. Jesus is the judged judge. And so he was the one that was judged on our behalf, right? We should be judged and be declared that we are unrighteous, but yet he is the one that was judged in our place, but he is also the judge, right? He is God. God ultimately set the standard, said you have to uh, come up to this standard. You have to meet this standard. These are the laws. These are the ways that you don't break relationship. And none of us could reach that. And so he is the judge of all saying, you, you've been declared guilty. You've been judged. But then Jesus is that for us. He is that judged judge in our place that he could be judged as a human, but he is also 
the judge because he is God. He is divine. So I think the way that uh, uh, a good old Lutheran might say that mm-hmm. is uh, Jesus is both the law and the gospel. Sure. Right. He yeah. is the judge in terms of he shows us our sin and mm-hmm. our need. And he is the gospel. He is the salvation from, mm-hmm. uh, the provision for that need. It's, which is what John would say in chapter 1 of his gospel where he says he is the word. Mm-hmm. And the word is law and gospel. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so we can talk about a few heresies. Why not? Uh, well, People I think, get this wrong a lot. I, I think we need to talk about them because I think they reveal themselves over and over throughout human history just under different terms or uh, they try and weave it in different ways. Sure. And so, yeah. Well, I let's think, get to it then. Mm-hmm. So we have Arianism, right? Uh, which is more or less uh, Arius who lived in the 300s yep. or so. That's why we had the Council of Nicaea. Yep. Uh, and he believed that Jesus was not really God, but was mm-hmm. a creation of God. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be a really good creation. Right. Um, a lesser God. Yeah. What it says in here. And yeah. we might see that same kind of concept today, uh, again, with like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. Right. Who would say, yeah, Jesus isn't really God, but, you know, he, he becomes like God. Or, you know, they even have their special Bible with, the, you know, they change some of the phrases to make sure that it doesn't depict Jesus as God. Mm-hmm. It's like, you guys, you know. Missing uh, the mark. Totally. It's why we have the creeds, is yep. to guard against these kind mm-hmm. of heresies. Mm-hmm. To describe, no, no, God is yep. this. He is the Father, He is the Son, He is the Spirit. The end, right? And then we have the, uh, the converse of that. So you mm-hmm. have Arianism on the one side. It's like, Jesus is just a man yep. and not true God. Yep. Then you have docetism, yeah. uh, which comes from like Gnosticism concept, mm-hmm. where it's Jesus is just the spirit and not really a human mm-hmm. because, after all, human stuff or fleshy stuff is bad. Yeah. Spiritual stuff is good. Right. And you know, do we see that today? Oh, we definitely see that today. Yeah. Uh, I-, I was... Uh, talking to you earlier just about how I think we can see that in our feelings. Our feelings are spiritual and they are better than this physical realm. And so that's a lot of the Gnosticism is that anything physical has to be bad. But anything spiritual, anything higher is obviously good. And that's really ironic because we are both flesh and spirit. Jesus was both divine and human. And so, how, you know, you can't separate those two things. And once you try and separate those two things, that's when we have heresy. That's Yeah. Yeah. So you've got both natures. Mm-hmm. True God, true man, not just one or the other. Mm-hmm. And then we get a little bit more specific uh, as we talk about the personal union of Christ. Yeah. And that's where we get to say, okay, uh, <clears throat> we're not called to... It gets a little confusing, but we're not called to modify God's word, just to believe it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, here we'd say, he is one person. So remember, we talked about nature, yes, and now we're talking about person. And Mm -hmm. the person is just what makes a a you, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, a person is the beingness. So you are a person, I am Mm -hmm. a person. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are very different people. Mm Mm-hmm. So Jesus is one person with mm-hmm. both natures. Mm-hmm. So he's not two Christs, mm-hmm. he's one. And how those operate together uh, is 
at best confusing. Yeah. But like it says, we are not called to solve the mystery of godliness, but to believe in our Savior. And as we do this, we simultaneously uphold the two biblical truths of the two natures of a one person, Jesus. Right. So again, we've got a few more heresies. Mm-hmm. Historianism. Uh, historianism is uh, where basically is a, they call it a split personality, where you have two very distinct natures, mm-hmm. and never the two are used in the same time. So, right. Uh, some actions, Jesus is just God, and yep. some actions, Jesus is just, just man. Just a person. Yep. Just and a human. Yeah. So that's and it's like, why would you distinguish between the like? Well, you know, because you know, Jesus. As a, as a god, he could never get hungry, and so mm-hmm. he wasn't really god at that point. He just mm-hmm. switched personalities into the, the human side of him. Right. Which is like, where, where do you get that in Scripture? Yeah. And so it's oftentimes a heresy is going to overanalyze. And oversimplify something that's very difficult to understand. Right. Cause I, so one of the questions at the back of, of the chapter was, why do we see these heresies crop up so much and I, I think it's because we want to understand and we want to oversimplify something that it is complex it's hard to understand but we're not called to understand perfectly and analyze and scientific method it to death we're just called to believe that this is true that God is one person but has two divine and a human nature right the faith of a child mm-hmm. right simple believing faith mm-hmm. but when we try to logic it out Mm -hmm. we are going to end up typically in some kind of a a foggy mess Mm -hmm. so it's funny because it's a it's a it's a very confusing thing but it's also a very simple yeah yeah it's a very simple who is Mm -hmm. jesus he's god he is man the end done Mm -hmm. but because we want more information we start inserting things and so we end up with nestorianism or the opposite uh yakutianism which i can Mm -hmm. never pronounce but that's a where it's really just a, uh, it's a cocktail of Christ. Yeah. You know, you've got some human nature and some divine nature, and they're kind of muddled together. And there's really no difference between them. It's yeah. just all, you know, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that also would say, like, well, no, no, it's it's not separated from each other, but it's yeah. also not one nature. It's two natures, one person. And it's a, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just say, okay, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. I, so in, in my book, I said, I underlined that there is no uniqueness to either nature in Jesus Christ. And I was like, you can't do that. Like, wh- what do you mean? There's no, if, yeah, if you're muddling both, that means that, well, the human side was kind of divine and then the divine side was kind of human. Well, then, you, that, no. Like, yeah. uh, it, it, like you said, muddies, muddies the water. It doesn't work in either way. So then how do these natures play together as one, as one person, in one person? Uh, we might see it in terms of uh, good old confirmation concepts, Christ's state of humiliation versus exaltation. Yes, which I hadn't really heard about the humiliation, honestly, and really the exaltation in relation to this. Obviously, I've heard that Jesus is exalted, is the exalted one, but really understanding these two concepts, it was kind of a new thing for me to to learn about so it's interesting so what was some of the takeaways there yeah so humiliation you know talks about what is humiliation just on the surface right it's that uh, being embarrassed or humbling yourself and then the one that it it gets to in the book is that uh, 
Humiliation can also be described as a voluntary change in status or power in order to serve one another. And so that's how uh, Jesus is seen through his humiliation, that he takes a lower status to serve another, to serve us as our Savior. And so that's really what that humiliation uh, means. And in Philippians 2, it says, you know, uh, have, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, right, that, that higher, that nature that is divine, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a sermon, servant, again, that human nature, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself, that humiliation, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the humiliation that he is come to serve. He has come to live the life that we could not in our stead. So in Philippians 2, we see Christ being fully divine, mm-hmm. never losing his divine nature, but choosing not to use it fully, mm-hmm. right? Chooses to not not always to refrain from his uh, divineness of to not you know just to, to not be hungry or whatever. So he mm-hmm. chooses to experience some of those things that I guess he didn't have to do innately. He even talks to Pilate about that, you know, just if you think that you're the one doing this, then you don't understand what's really happening. I could call down, I could be saved from this in two seconds. And so it's what it's exactly what you're talking about, that he chose to go through this. Right. And so we'd say uh, one of the practices we do in confirmation is we often take like the Apostles' Creed, second article, and we describe, okay, what is part of the humiliation and what is part of the exaltation? So, you know, Christ, I believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. <laughs> now I'm not in it on a Sunday, but uh, the conceived by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. born of a Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Mm-hmm. Those are all pieces of humiliation, right? Him mm-hmm. lowering himself, mm-hmm. him experiencing the human, the humanity, uh, the, the full experience of, of humanity. And then his state of exaltation and his glorification mm-hmm. is when he takes uh, and does you fully utilize that divine nature mm-hmm. uh, things like he's his descent into hell not to suffer but to declare victory defeat it mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, to rising in the third day to ascend to sit at the right hand of the God the Father to come again in glory to judge both the living and the dead mm-hmm. so we have both states within within the creed but that's the real difference is in the humiliation, he's choosing to not fully utilize his divinity. Mm-hmm. He does utilize it. It's part mm-hmm. of him. Miracles and different times, for sure. Sure. He knows a lot of things. Mm-hmm. He's experienced, he expresses omniscience. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he limits himself mm-hmm. to, to where he says he doesn't know the time of the, of the return, but only the Father. He chooses in that moment to to limit himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Christ's exaltation where he chooses to use it in, in full. Mm-hmm. Um, so after resurrection, he does things like passes through walls and mm-hmm. you know, and he's still fully human. He's still fully God. He just chooses to utilize his, his divinity in a fuller way. Mm-hmm. So that's the two, the two states there. And again, like I said, he just can't, Stop talking yes, about Jesus. Yes, 
because the chapter's not over yet. You'd think, like, okay, that was a lot. That was a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but no, we're still talking a little bit about the offices of Christ. So, again, confirmation level stuff. Prophet, mm -hmm. priest, king. Mm -hmm. These three Old Testament offices yep. that had each a specific role. Mm -hmm. So the prophet was to uh, speak as God's representative to the people. Yep. And the priest was man's representative back to God. Mm -hmm. And then the king was kind of God's representative over the people mm -hmm. uh, to, to govern and to, to reign. Uh, so all three of these offices would be con or, um, anointed offices. Mm -hmm. And the word Messiah itself means just anointed one. And so Jesus is not just one of these three, but he's all of these three, mm -hmm. uh, which could bear some talking about. And the, the king and the priest roles, they had uh, a part of uh, lineage, right? There was, there was some sort of lineage that you could only be a priest if you were a part of the, the tribe of Levi. You could only be a king if you were descended of David. And so it's uh, interesting that uh, Jesus can fulfill all three offices two of which that have a distinction of lineage in the same person. Uh, right. And the way that Hebrews talks about this is he comes from the order of priesthood of Melchizedek, which behind. is all the way back in mm -hmm. Genesis 14 or 15, something. Yeah, uh, talking with Abraham. and Right. Yeah. Uh, so before, the, before Levi was mm -hmm. even around, there still was a priest, mm -hmm. and that's the priesthood that Jesus belongs to. He is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. So he fulfills all three of these roles in that he is the prophet of God. Uh, and we typically shy away from that language simply because uh, that sounds kind of uh, Islamic. Oh, gotcha, <laughs> gotcha, 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 sure. Yeah. Um, but he still speaks God's truth. He, he still speaks is, the word of God to people, to right. us, and explains it in even a fuller way throughout the Gospels. Helps right. us understand it. He is not only God's representative to mankind, he mm -hmm. is God mm -hmm. for mankind. Mm -hmm. uh, the way I love it is uh, prophets in the Old Testament always spoke the word of God. Right. Jesus is the word of God. Right. Uh, I, I love directly. that distinction. And the Lord says, or as the Lord says, I say to you, know, whatever. But Jesus says, I say to you. Right. Right. There's that distinction because he is God. Uh, yeah. Right. So he is the prophet. And mm -hmm. he is the priest. He's the priest because the priest would often offer sacrifices and offer prayers. And what do we see Jesus doing? He offers himself as the sacrifice, and he offers prayers for his people. And mm -hmm. even now, uh, sits at the right hand of God the Father and interceding for us. Mm -hmm. And then finally, he is the king. And when we come to the kinghood of Christ, mm -hmm. uh, that interaction with Pilate is kind of important. Mm -hmm. uh, that he's not a king like a king in yeah. this world, not of one nation, not of one country. But like everybody expected. Uh, that was the expectation of the, the coming king, the coming Messiah, was to bring back the glory of, of Israel. That's the, the king that we're looking for. Uh, and so there was a, a distinction in what his kingdom looked like and what his kingdom, an earthly versus a spiritual and heavenly kingdom. Right. So there's the, the kingdom of, of power. He's overall creation. He is... The, the creator God of overall things. He's also, uh, he specifically uses that, he's king over uh, grace. Mm -hmm. And that's where we would see, we look at the church, mm -hmm. where his gospel is proclaimed, yep. where his sacraments are administered rightly. Uh, he is, in that particular kingdom, 
just offering forgiveness and mercy. Whereas in the kingdom of power, or in the kingdom of this world, mm-hmm. he utilizes folks like governors and presidents and, I don't know, kings or whatever, you know, governments, mm-hmm. to not only dole out occasionally, uh, not, not as much the grace, but more the justice. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we say, hey, you know, cops are operating under the, underneath the authority of God's power. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they are, they don't carry the sword for nothing, says Romans 13. Right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're the operatives of God to deliver justice in this world. Mm-hmm. Whereas the church is not there to deliver the justice of the world, but to deliver the grace to the world. And then finally, this grace and this justice, this mercy, and, and all of this comes together in the kingdom of glory where Christ comes again and finally sets his kingdom fully over. So uh, mm-hmm. it, an analogy, so if, if this is the kingdom of the world, um, where, where you know, he uses representatives and whatever to mm-hmm. dole out justice, this is his kingdom of grace where he is uh, operating only in, in, in church. Eventually what happens is that there, when Christ comes again, there's this overshadowing of both and where he is truly the only mm-hmm. uh, king and where only uh, things are just and, and mercy mm-hmm. uh, together. Yeah. It's a long explanation. That's, that's <laughs> Yes, I'm, I'm trying to think through that. Yeah, I did have the question just kind of as I was reading, and I think you've done a good job of explaining, but just why the distinction between the kingdom of power and the kingdom of, of grace? I think the, the law and gospel kind of understanding of that does does for sure help, so... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there you go. That's that's Jesus. 